0: Hello I'm Ricky and I'm Joe and this is season six episode three of the beer and broadband podcast It's slated to come out on April 10th 2023 and we're just going to get right into it we're going to talk a little bit about lawsuits we're going to talk a little bit about tweets we're going to talk a little bit about home automation but first we're going to talk about a kit beer that I made for Christmas presents because that's what we are doing these first couple of episodes Um, this is a new one that i haven't made before it's a winter warmer ale uh from boom Chug-a-Lug, uh and it is uh, called shiver me timber santa 6.5 percent abv and it's a nice dark ale that's got like an amber color to it um unfortunately the head doesn't stay forever but uh it does did carbonate pretty nice so um yeah have you had a sip of it yet ricky can you tell me what you think i have i'll tell you it carbonated very strongly, yes. It I mean, did.
1: Like it, it almost burns on the tongue, and it's not from <laughs> the alcohol. It's only six and a half percent. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. one's not too bad. I don't think it's my favorite of the Christmas lots, but it's crafted pretty well. I almost I don't want to say it's generic, but it doesn't have like a flavor that really sticks out. It's just like a good dark beer. If it
0: that makes is. Sense. Yeah, it's kind of like. Well, it's it's not ex. It's, it's a dark ale, right? So it's, it's not mm-hmm. quite as sweet as like a porter. Uh, it's not quite as bitter as a um, stout would have. But it's got like um, an in-between kind of semi-sweet, um, you know, flavoring to it. And it's got some nice spices, but not, it's not quite as heavily spiced as like something like the, the old Fezziwig. Uh, not, well, not old Fezziwig, old Fezziwig, the old Nibbercracker beer. So it's kind of like just a nice sipping ale right um nothing nothing too too terrible out of it um i think i also this one came with um i i can't remember if it was caramel or um or what but it came with a flavorant that you add to it and it gives it kind of um like an extra bit of like perceived sweetness because it's not actually very sweet it's fairly dry i think it finished at like one point oh one or something like that so
1: okay
0: yeah it it definitely isn't my favorite either of them but it was a good one to brew because you know like i've gotten to contemplate all the ones that we made i think still my favorite is the thunder cookie gingerbread stout um you know that one's stouts and i love those things Mm -hmm. um and, and my second favorite out of the batch is the, um, the mild Kentucky home. But, uh, I think the better beer out of everything, cause I, you know, I'm just crazy about bourbon stuff. Um, uh, but the better beer out of everything is the, um, the one that we did, uh, on the first episode of this season, Santa's a little helper. So, um, yeah. Basically, it's been a pretty good run uh, sooner than six months because <laughs> I still had some left over when we went to self last year. Um, but, you know, we'll see how it turns out. Um, anyways, so do so you have any other comments or thoughts on the on Yeah, the beer? I'll just
1: say overall, I think the, the beer kits have been very successful. You know, while this isn't either one of our favorites, I'll say it is probably the most like preference neutral. So like where the other ones had some kind of strong flavors that maybe you do or don't like, you know, this is like, if I ordered this at a restaurant, I was just like, okay, there is a, some dark beer here. I'm going to grab it. I would be happy with that. You know, it's not offensive. And I want to say like beer making is necessarily hard. It's more complicated is maybe the better way. So to get, just good result after good result after good result. I think you got all these kits from the same company, right?
0: Yeah, I did. I, I got yeah, so I think they're doing Boom a chug-a-lug. really good job. Yeah, they absolutely are. It's a it's a great a great a great company to get stuff from. I, I get I generally get from um, Brewers Best um, and um, there's another one that I've gotten a couple of beer kits from, and then Boom Lug. But Boom Lug is my like kind of go to for these more advanced beer kits for sure. Um, yeah. So let's just move right on into, um, talking about (laughs) this, uh, this, you know, energy drink company that's just suing the pants out of, uh, you know, anybody that uses certain words. Um, so, um, there's a game called Monsters and Mortals. Uh, their developer um, is uh, a company called uh, Dark Deception. No, Dark Deception is the beginning of it. Um, I was trying to remember the name of the the developer. Um, and I have lost my mind here for a second. Um, but uh, the, the developer of this game, uh, Dark Deception, Monsters and Mortals, which is like an indie developer, is being sued Um, and uh, this isn't the first time this company's sued people. I'm avoiding saying their name because I kind of don't want to give them press. I feel like if they're doing this just to get press, they shouldn't get any. And if they're not, um, you know, then they shouldn't be rewarded for this in any way, shape, or fashion. Uh, but they've sued several other gaming companies, but they're suing this one also because they use green and yellow in their logo. And the company also uses not the same shade of green, not the same shade of yellow, but a green and a yellow in their company logo. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, but uh, I don't know. Like, maybe you had some like extra thoughts on it before I start like giving a a, a rundown of why I think these this is not a good thing.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I wish I could say that. Oh, this company's crazy. Oh, this this is this never happens. They're just weird. But like, this keeps happening over and over and over again with different companies, and it's part, I think, the problem of having like copyright enforcement, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a copyright, but a lot of companies, you know, get these legal teams or hire these services to like defend their copyright. And they're so overzealous that you see this over and over and over again. I mean, some companies are famous for it. You know, like, you know, everyone knows Disney does this stuff all the time. But I mean I remember uh, like a year last year sometime some YouTuber ran into issues with something like this where they had like joined a collaboration team and that team had hired uh, a company to essentially to defend their their platform so if someone was like ripping their videos and posting them they would like automatically do the takedown strikes and stuff like that but they were like so aggressive they were going after people for like reaction channels that are protected by copyright and like everything. And I had to like pull back and tell them, no, 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 don't, don't do this. That's like, that's not what you're supposed to do, but those companies are there. I mean, they'll especially when you've got the legal component because you know, you're paying those lawyers by the hour, they're just looking for a chance to litigate something, which I think is what we found here. And they've got a history of doing it of like sometimes bankrupting the studios they're going after. And, you know, I know we're, we're trying not to say too many details, but the, the word in question that, that started this whole thing is such a generic word. Right. That like, I'd almost claim you can't copyright
0: that word because it is so, it's so open, you know? Well, you can't copyright or trademark just generally generic things. Uh, So like if I was going to, I couldn't go go out and be like, well, I'm going to copyright or trademark Joe. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I, I couldn't do that because that's a common name, um, you know, things like that. So yeah, I mean, you're right. You couldn't copyright that word.
1: Yeah. Which I mean, they can't, I mean, their copyright has to be for the entire name of their product or the entire name of their company. And right. now they're just trying to enforce every word in that name individually, which it doesn't, it doesn't really work that way. So, I'm glad that the developers are sticking up for themselves because I think they do have a case. I mean, if they can afford the legal fees, I think they'll win. But I think that's what gets all these small companies that get hit is like, you're going to go sue a multi million dollar company? Have fun. You, I mean, you probably will win if you can make it to the end of it, but it's making it to yep. the end and dang solvent. That's so difficult.
0: Well, and, and so I don't think that they're suing them for copyright infringement. Uh, If I understand correctly, they're suing them over trademark infringement, which is, um, which you do have to defend your trademark in order to be able to keep it. Like if someone uses your exact trademark or something that's derivative of it, you have to defend it or the trademark will be taken away because basically what you're saying by not defending it is you're allowing people to use it. Um, yeah, like but I think, ex- I think even to that,
1: I think even that extent, though, it's like you've trademarked your product name. You have not trademarked every individual word in your product name.
0: That is correct, so, and, so and yeah, I'm not, defending, I mean, I'm not defending the company that's doing this. I'm just saying that is the, like we were talking about copyright. To be completely transparent with our audience, they're they're not doing a copyright lawsuit. I don't believe they're doing a trademark lawsuit, but the in order to get the settlement they would make it so that the developer um, couldn't use anything that is derivative of that name or anything like that name ever again. And they've been doing this for years and years and years. Like, um, they lost to a developer in 2016. They got um, EA, or was it Ubisoft? I can't remember. No, I I think it was EA. EA had a game um, called uh, um, Gods and Monsters or something like that. And are we going uh, to be called
1: gods and monsters? Yeah, or? it was
0: going to be called gods and monsters, and they changed it to uh, Immortals Fen- Phoenix Rising. Um, so yeah, so you know, they, they, they not to interrupt you, but the, this isn't a copyright thing, this is a trademark dispute,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, which that, that's 100% true, yeah. I don't know, it's just, it's so, it's so weird to see it because you know this legal team or, or some service they've paid out. And it's like hunting down everything they can find, but you don't hear about this for big companies using this most common word, like wizard of the yeah. coast uses this word in so many different publications. Yes. And you know, they're not going after them.
0: Absolutely. That is correct. They're not going after them. Uh, It's probably too big of a target, but I mean, they've gone under, they've gone after some other big players. So that may just be time. They haven't gotten to them on their list yet. Possibly.
1: Yeah. I would, I would imagine after losing in 2016, they backed off from the big boys a bit more. I'd, I'd almost see. This is like the, the inquisitive in me. I really wonder how much of this does like real leadership in the company. See, Versus they've outsourced it or they've got some department that does it and just is filing these things left and right.
0: Because, uh, you know, it's not a good look. My understanding is that this is like a leadership directive. This is the way mm-hmm. the company is going. I don't know if that's 100% true, that, but that is a thing that, that I understand from my, my limited research into this when I started researching the topic.
1: Yeah, I'll say if it is, they're gonna they're they're gonna run into some issues. I mean, one, they'll eventually just start taking more legal battles they can because right because they're like there's like a president set. Yep. You you lose your trademark enforcement enough times, you'll streamline this process. Everybody you reach out to will be like, hey, look, judge, here's five other cases all for the exact same thing, all of which were found not to be enforceable. So come on, you know, like that's the, that's the hit they're going to have to worry about apart from potentially upsetting your customer base. Cause there's, I would say a decent amount of overlap between people who play video games and people who consume this product. Yep. You know, at some point, like, is this is going to become an email to a judge
0: <laughs> <Yeah. You know? laughs> or, or the, you're going to end up, bankrupting your company just because so many people are just like, "Eh, you know what? I don't want to deal with that. But you know, a lot of people don't vote with their wallets. They'll get outraged. They'll say stuff. Um, you know, they'll go on a walkout or something like that. They'll have camaraderie and then they turn around and and they're doing the exact thing that they're protesting against, you know, previously. So
1: it's highly likely that
0: that won't hurt their bottom line.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I don't know about this one as much because it is such a competitive space. Like, they have so many competitors, and I would not consider them one of, I mean, they're certainly one of the bigger names in their industry, but I I mean, I bet money they're not in the top three. Oh,
0: yeah, they're not. They're they're definitely not
1: in the top three. So, like, what's the best way to say it? I'll say it like this. Again, try not to name the product. I have used this product I have consumed this product. It is actually one of my preferred products of that type in its genre of product.
0: Yeah. And
1: yeah. frankly, I've got no problem just switching to a competitor. You yeah. know, like it, it's not it. The reason you use this product is not really anything unique. Its competitors are equally as good. It's the reason I picked it was because it it's easily available, but the other ones are pretty available too,
0: you know. Yeah, I mean that's very true, and there, I mean it 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 has a flavor, and it you know does a certain thing a certain way, right? Um, But it's not it's not wholly unique, Um, and I, I would even be you know, I would say it's expensive for what it is and what it does when you can get cheaper alternatives that taste better and are generally, you know, better. Overall. Yeah. So,
1: you know what? Um, yeah. Let me, let me plug that. We don't want to say that the company name, can we talk about what the product actually is?
0: Well, it's an energy okay. drink. I there you go. In the, in oh, okay. The,
1: I missed that in the beginning. Yeah. So yeah, look, yeah. I'm also, I'm just going to throw this out to everybody listening. If you don't want to drink energy drinks anymore, but you still want a lot of caffeine and maybe you don't like coffee or coffee's not enough. I ran across this thing not too long ago called, um, your mate. Yep. So good. It has more caffeine than coffee, but it has more like vitamins in it than tea does. And it is essentially just like a little bit more bitter green tea. That's it. Nice. So if you can drink green tea, You know, you can drink this stuff, you know, and you you sweeten it just like you do green tea if you want your if you want it sweet. It's good stuff. I've I've been keeping like a gallon in my fridge and drinking that like every morning for my caffeine, and it's it's good stuff.
0: I'll have to I'll have to check that out. I mean, we are going to do a tea episode. um,
1: Yeah, I'll bring it over. It is such a I bought such a massive amount. (laughs) Um, I really maybe funny story. I bought it not knowing like what form factor it comes in. I just bought like a one-pound bag, uh, which is a lot. And because um, it's technically not a tea, you know, because that comes from a particular type of plant. It's just the leaf of like another bush. Right. Um, they grind it up kind of fine. And so I have one of those like metal steepers that is not uh, like the micro one. It just has like normal small holes kind of like which you would use to put other spices in, not just teas. And like half of it seeps through. Oh, wow. So if you've got like smaller tea bags or something like that, we can definitely use those. Otherwise I might bring a little cheesecloth or something (laughs) to put it in. I've
0: got, um, I've got little uh, like microfilament ones. There you go. I've I've got like actual tea bags that you can just fill up.
1: Oh, there Um, you go. That'll be
0: perfect. Yeah. So we'll, we'll be able to make some stuff with this. It'll be good. Um. Yeah. Uh. So. It, well, do we want to talk about the litigious energy, the case of the litigious energy drink company, uh or do, do we want to say anything else I, about that? I think
1: we've covered it as well as we okay. can. It it's sad. It's happening. It's not new. And it's just funny sometimes to go in and see the extent to uh to which someone will try and claim you know trademark and all that
0: yeah it's uh it's a bit ridiculous um i i must say um so let's talk about um tweets uh that contain well so uh do you know what substack is Substack.
1: i didn't actually until you put this in as a topic and i did some research on it
0: okay um so uh substack.com is like a podcast news platform it's generally seen as like kind of open place for people to be able to go and like put out information and stuff like that. So uh, Twitter sometime this week started um, making it so that any link that was linked back to Substack was flagged as being possibly malicious. And now they're kind of like going further and making it so that you can't repost or reshare them or do anything that is like um, upping you know, upvoting them or not voting but a thumbs up or anything like that and so um, <laughs> so essentially Elon Musk's free speech platform is censoring a whole segment of people that mostly use this like journalists and stuff who use this to be able to like share content and information around the world especially when they're like journalists who are like in countries that don't like for them to share information so it's so free speech it's eliminating the freedom of speech from other people that are trying to have free speech i think that is hilariously sad terrible even <laughs> so uh, basically substack's been banned from twitter what do you think about that yeah i wouldn't quite go that far But I think
1: it runs into the same problem that Twitter had when it did this exact same thing to a bunch of other, like, social media platforms. They eventually rolled that back. But, you know, you can post everything with the link. You just can't then, like, interact with it, which is what Elon, when he took over, said they were going to do to a lot of things. Now, one of the things, though, that really surprised me when I started, like, researching into the substack thing is that that is like a heavily monetized platform.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So I think the real issue here is that Twitter needs to figure out what its stance is. Like because Twitter really can, can be one of two things. It can either be an augmentation of someone's social media presence or it can try to be a sole provider of a social media presence. So are you trying to replace things like Facebook and Substack or are you trying to be like just one of the cogs in the machine of someone's like social media presence? And you can't really have it both ways because, as we're seeing with this kind of Substack band, is people that were driving people to Substack to monetize their content, you know, are having a much harder time doing that because they can't engage with those audiences, right? So but, they can still like post it and show it, but then they can't have comments. People who like their stuff can't retweet it to their friends. So, like, it's not really performing that augmentation, right? It's shutting that down. But at the same time, I mean, I don't know anybody who's, like, on social media who's, like, my only social media is Twitter. Like, they've that's all true. got a Facebook or, like, an Instagram or something else. So, like, pick your fight, Elon. Like, I think I think that's the thing that concerns me the most about it is is less the free speech thing because you're still allowed to post it. You're still allowed to, like – screen cap it in an image and then go talk about it with your friends. Like it's not straight up. Like nobody, no one's going out and deleting those tweets. Like we used to see some stuff that happened on Twitter before he took over. It's more just like you tried to do this to Facebook. Then you stopped doing it to Facebook. But now just like we, as we were talking with the trademark thing, now that you found a smaller company to do it to, you're doing it to that smaller company so like why that seems to be the big conflict to me either you're saying you can post about other social media platforms you can post about other monetization platforms but you don't get these like features of if it was all within our platform or you just let all of it get posted like pick a lane
0: (laughs) don't don't drive on both sides of the road only drive on one um yeah. So more like, are you going forward or backwards? Like, what's your destination? Like, well, yeah, yeah. where are you trying
1: to go with your company? And figure that out before you start actually implementing things. You know, I don't think this is the death of Twitter, as, as I saw, like, people going on about, because I'll be honest with you, I had never even heard of this platform before. And looking at some of their featured content, I mean, I'm not going to say... Like, I'm not going to say this platform doesn't deserve to exist. It does. And it just, People deserve to monetize their stuff. But this is not a platform that now I've learned what's on it and looked through, like, their featured uh, pages and stuff like that. But I'm ever going to return to it, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a nice little poem blog. That's cool, but that's not something <laughs> I'm going to pay money for. Um, there's one that's like a mystery cult to witchcraft. That's. Cool, I guess I don't, I'd be a little concerned to say, I don't think I want to pay 30 bucks a month for someone to teach me what they say is real practical witchcraft, but you know, to each their own. So yeah, I guess, I guess my stance is just figure out what you're doing.
0: Make I, a plan, think, commit to it. I think for me, it's the, the hypocrisy of it, you know, like, this is your platform. You own it. You can do what you want with it from the standpoint of, you know, you own this, right? Just like if if I bought a book, you know, I should be able to do what I want to with that book as long as it's not illegal. So he can do whatever he wants to with it as long as it's not illegal, right? Um, but the, the, the things that he publicly says or proclaims kind of makes him out to be more like Lex Luthor you know not exactly a good guy (laughs) this isn't this doesn't look good this isn't like a good uh action you aren't doing something that's kind or nice or anything like that um and uh, one of the things about about some of these like platforms like these podcast platforms that people use um in these ways or reach out they had twitter integration built into them so in the past you you had like part of the like twitter and facebook way that they were trying to get integrated into everything is you would have like a you know an integration where you could automatically tweet i mean our um podcast uh, platform. We use Podbean. And um, if you're not picking it up from Podbean and you're just picking it up from Twitter or something like that, that is one of the ways that we kind of send it out there into the world. If somebody wants to know when there's a new podcast coming out, they can, you know, get it on any of the things. Twitter could just shut that down like tomorrow and basically make our Twitter account useless at that point. The automation that announces, hey, you know, um, Podbean has a new episode of Beer and Broadband. Just shut that down. You know, it's no more. And I think from that perspective, I'm kind of as a customer looking at this as one of your users, as one of the people that's sitting there and saying, I use your service and saying, oh yeah, the way that you're doing this is not meeting your customer's needs. You're not... Uh, doing something that makes me want to continue using your service. Um, It kind of sucks. And yeah, okay, right now Twitter's kind of the only game in town. But there's other ways that I could alert people to, uh, you know, our podcast being published. So you're really, you should be trying to make me happy, not like trying to restrict me so that I'm you know, bending to your will or something like that. And then you're telling me this is a free speech platform. I mean, come on, man, that's just offensive and stupid. I I don't like being lied to, <laughs> you know, I, everybody tells a falsehood sometime, but if you're just going to consistently do it, just, just quit lying and just say what, what you're actually doing, you know, you're yeah. trying to force people to pay for your platform that you bought and, and had a huge loss on and you're too egotistical, to admit that you're being the bad guy here basically at this point, you know?
1: Yeah. I'm not as I'll be honest. I kind of disagree with you on, on several parts of that. The, the biggest thing to me, right. Is Twitter was a platform that was free because it basically let anyone post anything and they harvested all of your data off off of it. Mm -hmm. We've got, pretty good proof that when Elon took over he's moving the company away from that you know ad platforms have changed and things like that so the line he has to figure out is where does the monetization start and where does it stop and that's i think what's what's running a lot of this is i think from a business perspective Elon wants to say okay if you're a company Doing something, or you're a competitive platform doing something on my platform, we should get paid for it. So, you know, if you want to be the official Frito Lay's Twitter account, you got to pay me money because now you're doing business on my platform. So, from that angle, I can see what he's thinking about with things like Substack, and I mean even other like podcast platforms, even though it didn't look he's touched any of those yet. That's somebody who is potentially, I mean, potentially, they are using your platform to operate their business, whether it's profitable or not. You know, we don't charge anybody to listen to this, but, you know, Substack does. You have subscribers to your systems and stuff like that for when you can access what content. But the big problem to me is you are making changes on a very large international platform without advertising them. And that screens to me more of just somewhere in this, you know, web of a company because you know Elon really doesn't you know Elon didn't wake up one day and said, "Hey, we're pushing this right here. I wrote the code to do it." You know, he's got people working under him and managers driving engineers and all that stuff. But when you say, "Hey Substack, you're not okay." But Facebook, you are okay, but you weren't okay before. But then I got backlash and now you're okay now. Like, where's the, where's the thing here? Where's the problem? Like, what is it you're actually trying to do? Because my concern as a user is if I don't know the direction you are taking the company, I can't make plans, right? Like if you're gonna say hey if you're on a monetized platform you just can't interact with us that seems weird to me but okay is the then the direction of hey if you're going to have a Twitter account that posts these links you have to have uh, a subscriber model you have to like pay me the eight bucks a month sure okay is are you gonna go like the API route where it's like hey if you're gonna push something from your system to my system it's a penny every time you do it. You know, something like that. Okay, that's fine too. But what is it? At the end of the day, you've picked up a company that was purging money. You're trying to turn it profitable. I understand you have to change the way you're doing business. But when things like this happen, and like if you Google this thing, you know, apart from the, the link will probably happen in the right. show notes, you know, Google this, and you know, Elon's saying, no, we're not doing this. And the places are saying, oh, well, it actually works like this. And it's like, even as a company, you don't have a unified voice on what is happening. And that's the bigger concern to me. You know, you got to be forward with your consumers, whether it's going to affect them positively or not, with where the platform is going. Nobody should wake up on a Friday morning and say, whoa, my stuff doesn't work anymore. And that was a planned thing. You know, if there's an outage, there's an outage. That's fine. But if you've changed the policy and now your users are affected, that's an issue.
0: So uh, it, it, I, I hear what you're saying. I think, though, this isn't quite like the multi-factor authentication thing, even though I have some, I think that's, un, that's unethical to put someone in a less secure position on their account or the, you know, let's make it so that. Um, you have to pay for a blue check mark, so it's easier to impersonate people. I mean, it's not easier to impersonate people. That's not what I mean, you know. But it's easier to impersonate people because some, anybody can just pay for the name that they that they're getting, you know. So, it's this isn't quite the same though. This is someone who has. I mean, we have records of him saying this is a free speech platform i'm i'm going to turn this around so that anyone that wants to say and use their voice on this platform can now monetization and all that stuff aside i understand that and i don't i you know as a ceo of a company you do have a responsibility to make sure that your company is healthy um but doing things like this the the part that i most agree with you on is when you just do it willy-nilly or just without, you know, just kind of, as I said before, schizophrenically, which I probably shouldn't have used the word schizophrenic, but I mean it in like the kind of chaotic, er erratic way that um, is characteristic of schizophrenia, not like in any sort of down, you know, like playing down people that have that mental disorder. Um, But when you do things like that, that is, that only hurts your consumer base. That doesn't help them and that drives people away. So when people see things like this from companies, they generally lose faith in them. And then that hurts your brand, that hurts everything even more. So you're not, like you, you may have like this tough businessman kind of bravado when you're thinking about things like this, but you're not actually doing anything that's helpful. Um, and I agree with you, you know, like he needs to, as you said, pick a lane, you know, decide whether you're going forwards or backwards, decide what the direction of your company is. But he also needs to think about what he's saying because you, you have your reputation in life. And this is kind of like one of those things that's publicly just killing Twitters. And I mean, Elon's already been in a death spiral of reputation for a while there's people who love the guy and people who hate him but um everyone must admit that he does a lot of things that are very contradictory to one another and um it's it's kind of interesting the things he takes credit for uh they aren't necessarily the things that he's actually achieved so you know his reputation is already kind of having some problems and then you've got like your company's reputation. Uh, What your reputation often is what you make profit off of as a company. And so I I just, I think from that standpoint, and then from the, I've publicly said this thing, and this is the direction that I've said the company is going in. I find that to be distasteful, (laughs) you know, very distasteful.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he certainly put his foot in his mouth several times in the past. I guess I'm just struggling to see how this is one of them. Because he's not deleting tweets. He's not stopping somebody from posting whatever they want. I mean, if you, if you take this into real life, this is the equivalent of saying, you know, hey, in this space, you can't have signs. Hey, in this space, you can't hand out flyers. Which happens all the time in particular locations. Like, the only thing he's blocked Is the ability for someone else to like click the retweet button. If they're passionate about it, they can just go write their own tweet to their followers. It's not like at any point, if you like put that link in, you're no longer like it's not like you're shadow banned, your followers can't see it, anything like that. It's just a couple of the basically community interaction features are not there. Which is Something he was upfront with from the beginning. So I, if we like rewind a couple, uh, what is it like six or seven months ago? Yeah. Um, when that when he t- was talking about that, that was one of the things I kind of called out as, well, you know, you you kind of got to make a decision about that. He's saying you can post whatever you want, but if it's a particular type of content we don't want you're not going to have all your features. And granted, at that time, it was the example being used was like, oh, you know, if you want to post something that could maybe be considered, you know, hateful or disrespectful, you'll be allowed to post it, but you're not going to be able to, like, use all the other features to advertise it. Which, sure, whatever. That's, at the same time, you could say that's, you know, not fully 100% free speech. But if we're okay with it in that context, I don't see why it's any different for this one. It's you're basically saying, hey, particular types of content you can post, but you won't have all the features. So I don't think that's the hypocrisy. The, the bigger hypocrisy to me is kind of what we touched on, that you're going you're gonna to say you're going to go do these things. And then when you get enough pushback, you stop until you try and do it again when people don't notice. You know, this is the kind of thing that we were talking about with Wizards of the Coast where like hey, we're going to make this rule change. Oh, but guys, it won't be that bad. And look, see, we're we're you know not putting anything in writing, but we're telling you guys we're going to change things. And you know, whether or not they're actually going to change them, we don't know. They just claimed they would, but they're not in a legal document like you know, the things they were trying to change for the worse were. So that's I don't know. I under I understand people not liking Musk. I'm not a big fan of Musk because I think a lot of his technology decisions are very short-sighted. Like a lot like a lot of the Starlink stuff is great networking technology. But you know, you're putting so many satellites into space that it's interfering with other stuff. Yep. You know, it's, it's that kind forward. of yeah, it's that kind of short-sightedness that, that is my problem with Musk. But in terms of like is this still free speech? You know, I, I would have to say that it still is. I mean, it's, I'd still believe it is more free than what we saw from Twitter before he took over because you'd see that all the time that someone would get shadow banned and then nobody could see their posts anymore or they would just straight up get blocked or wouldn't be allowed to post content anymore. I mean, even like small stuff, like various little YouTube creators I, I follow would have like their account shadow banned because someone like pretended to be them or, you know, made some other account and claimed to be the primary account and got their other account taken away and all that stuff.
0: Yeah. I, I, okay. So I, I see where we're disagreeing here. And actually, I think if you remember back to that six months ago that you're talking about where, you know, we had had like a talk about Twitter, I even said then that I disagreed with him saying that he was a freedom of speech platform. Um, I mean, definitely saying our platform is more free, that's great. Our, our platform is not going to stop people from being able to post whatever they want to. We just won't let you interact with stuff if it's something that's, like, offensive or something like that. That's awesome. That definitely is more um, free uh, free speech in those terms. But when you're talking about a freedom of speech platform, um, you know, at, uh, from, like, a concept you're, you're saying, I am going to allow you as a herald. I am going to say, I'm going to allow you to have a platform to be able to talk about whatever it is that you want to talk about. Um, I mean, even when we talk about like stuff in the United States and we talk about being a free country and having freedom of speech and everything like that, some of that's kind of wrong. It's not, that's not actually what we're doing. But what we're doing is we have, um, you you know, a, uh, an amount of freedom to be able to talk about stuff, but there's still things that we consider to be hate speech or hate crimes or stuff or stuff like that. Um, and without going all down that rabbit hole, the hypocrisy that I see is I'm trying to, it is, or he Elon is trying to capitalize off the idea of freedom of speech while you know, using that marketing language, also still limiting people's ability to express themselves. Yeah. I see what you're Uh, saying now.
1: And, and I'll agree with you on that. And that really comes down to you will never in America have a free speech platform because the way the laws are written is that whoever runs or hosts that service is ultimately responsible for the content on it. Yep. Um, You know, exactly. uh, You remember in the like the 90s and early 2000s, you were seeing forums getting just knocked off left and right because, oh, hey, you know, on this forum, you're allowing people to post screenshots of movies as reaction images. That's against copyright. So now, you know, your platforms, you either need to take all those images off or we're going to basically sue you and or fine you depending on exactly what was getting posted. So you're right, you're right to that end. You know, there's no such thing as a free speech platform because since those rules exist that essentially if you host the content, you're responsible for the content. You know, that's very different from you know, if we go to like the town hall approach. Just like there're certain things that are not protected by free speech. Like if you're screaming there's a fire and people panic, that's not about free speech. You can get arrested for that. Yep. But in that scenario you as the person who did the thing are responsible, whereas in the digital format, it's essentially you as the person who did the thing being responsible, and the platform it was on are responsible. So, like, there's now that dual custom, like dual responsibility that really gets in the way of not having these sort of features of that we can remove posts, we can censor posts, we can do whatever. You know, there's almost legally mandated to have them if you want to be able to stay open.
0: Yep, exactly. So, trying to market yourself as this thing that's supposed to battle against that, um, and let everybody do that, and drawing people to it, and then limiting their ability to talk, I find that dis- dishonest. Um, and yeah, I
1: can see what you mean there. You know, if you compare Twitter before Elon to Twitter after Elon, you can see improvements. But you're right. You know, if you look at it from the guise of if you knew nothing about Twitter beforehand and you're just like a new user coming to this platform for completely unrestricted speech, you're not going
0: to find it. Exactly. And, I mean, he's not the first person that's done that. Um, Truth Social was supposed to be that way. That blew up really quick. You know, I mean, it's it's just it's disingenuous when companies try to do things like that. Um, and I am, I, I just, I, I think when I see things like this, Coming from the background that I have of um, having been a, um, uh, you know, a a law enforcement officer, having a degree in criminal justice, understanding how the law works when it comes to that stuff, and really like kind of being able to look at what's happening here and say, okay, from, from a legal perspective, that's not what you're saying is not exactly what you're doing. Um, from a semantics perspective, it's also not what you're saying. Like you're saying you're with one hand, you know, you're offering peace, and with another, you're offering violence. In a sense, well, that's, that's probably a wrong wrong way to say that. But with one hand, you're saying, you know, I'm going to do this, but the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing. In a sense, um, mm-hmm. so so the, it it just it feels off every time I see one of these articles. And the reason I wanted to talk about it is this is another example of the thing that we talked about last season where, you know, Twitter is getting changed and that's fine. But the, the way it's being, um, you know, um, advertised is not the thing that you're actually getting. And the concern I have with it is as someone who Started using this from a perspective of this is the thing that you said I could use this for and you licensed me to be able to do it and now you're starting to take that functionality away. I kind of see that also as a bit of a problem because eventually you're gonna not have anybody interacting with the platform if they're not getting any value out of it. So I what value am I gonna get? out of your platform, if you're, if you're like, you have to pay me, um, what was the the last thing was like $50 a month or a hundred dollars a month or something like that. If you're a company and, um, you have to pay me to be able to have a, a verified Twitter account to be able to be secure on your Twitter account so that people can't steal your account. Um, you know, things like that. Um, that is almost like blackmail in a sense um and you know it's not good security practice that's not if if you're looking at something like the c uh, ccsp or the um the cissp or something like that those all like kind of are like look if you're a company that's not giving people you know two-factor authentication or if you're not doing this you're not doing that that's um a, a huge security problem um for for everyone so i i I just kind of look at these things and I am completely flabbergasted that there is not more outrage, not because I think that, um, you know, Substack, which I've never used before. It's not like a a platform that I use. I don't even like go deep into the weeds of, of understanding all of the things that Substack is. But if you're talking about, you know, Substack is just like the next thing. But what about like the Al, uh, you know, uh, Al Jazeera, um, the the um, the platform that reporters can use to be able to talk about stuff in some of these like more dangerous com- uh, countries, um, the you know BBC uh, World News, you know, things like that. Are you going to start limiting their ability to send out information on your platform? I mean, it, that was the big value that you had in the past. What value are you replacing that with? and I'm not seeing any there's very little so um, why yeah why and would I'll, do I'll admit it? that that kind of goes
1: back to what I was saying originally like you got to figure out what your platform is for yeah exactly if you're trying to just be social media you want to be like, hey, you don't need Facebook, you can have Twitter then yeah not having certain integrations is fine because that's not what you want and like two factor is such a great example of like figure out how you want to do your monetization. Because the idea that you're locking two-factor away from a non-paid user is kind of dangerous. Like, I understand from a purely monetary standpoint, two-factor is not free. Like, if you're sending text messages, those cost you money. You're integrating with an app, those cost you money. But the way almost every other company would do this is... How much do I have to charge the actual companies, the people who, like, get something out of this paid membership, so that the free users can continue to use it for free? Yep. Right? So, like, you know, there's plenty of sites that I use that I don't pay them any money, but I still have two-factor. Because either I'm doing something with them that generates some money, like the stuff I do for my stocks. or you know, they've just got some paid level, like when I get my two offs from Google, you can buy more storage from Google. You can do all sorts of things that monetize your Google experience so they confront the however much it costs per login to do two factor for everybody. Yep. You know, so that's that's again, that's my big red flag for Twitter. Is that like you took over a very large existing platform? You're revamping it very, very quickly and you're revamping it fast enough. You're making mistakes in all honesty. And that's, that's my concern. Whereas things like all these other like tech projects, those are like built from the ground up. And it's like, we're going to just keep doing stuff and doing stuff and doing stuff until we figure it out. as we've talked about before, CEOs are just cheerleaders for their companies. Elon Musk is not an engineer, really, in the the sense that he, like, engineers the actual products he sells. I know he does have some, like, software engineering background. But, you know, he doesn't make the cars, you know. So, you know, go out there, cheerlead. That's fine. But you got to make sure from that position of power you're in that you are at least making sure the things under you are working okay. Like he doesn't control directly that manager or whatever. But us working in a large enterprise company. Our CEO says go do something. It goes down to the SVP and then the VP and then the whoever until it eventually reaches us. And that's not always a perfect system. I won't say you never have any misses. But you shouldn't be making headlines. Every month or two. Right. <laughs> you know, you gotta, you gotta keep things, especially on a platform like this, as a social media platform, you have to keep it public. Again, if Twitter had come out two weeks ago or a month ago and said, Hey, here are the new rules. These are the sites that we it's going to be affected to first. and we will be rolling out to other ones. Sure. People would probably be upset if they use those platforms but it would not have generated nearly as much bad press as this again. Hey, I showed up. My thing doesn't work. Why does my thing not work?
0: You know? Yep. I, I think, uh, I mean, I think we were kind of beating a dead horse at this point, but um, it, you're, you're spot on with that. Like the, the ability for someone that's using your platform for profit or not, but they're using it in some sort of professional way um and and you not seeming dependable or you know trustworthy just kind of kills your brand yeah Um, and not knowing how to plan for that just is the epitome of that um so yeah i i I don't want to like stop you from talking about it i just you know no no you're good we have we have talked about it for like an entire podcast (laughs) podcast length of time definitely there was one more topic um I just kind of wanted to hit on real quick because uh, it's kind of in the same vein. So, you know, like um, Google brought uh, or Google bought like Nest and um, they had their like drop cams and stuff like that, mm-hmm. right? Um, and they bought them years in, I think it was like 2015, 2016. Um, and, uh, you know, I just threw this in here because this is another example of a company that does something, they buy it. And even though they're signaling to people, hey, we're going to shut this down or whatever, they gave a value, they gave something to you, said that it was going to bring value, told their shareholders it was going to bring value, planned for it to bring value, and then it hasn't brought as much value as they thought. And so now they're going to kill like either the old version of this and try to force you to buy a new one or something like that. So uh, if you like, look up the death of home automation... Uh, or the death of like corporate home automation or something like that. You can see where people since like 2012 to 2015 have been talking about like all this stuff. Um, and you know, there's at least one article probably about every year, maybe two or three or five or 10 or 15. Um, you know, it could be way more than what I'm saying, but that there are articles every year. The death of home automation is this year. Um, which I don't think I think with platforms like habitat and stuff like that, and some more open things like, uh, the, um, oh, what is the name of that? Uh, Tulia or Tulia or something like that. There's a more mm-hmm. open platform that you can use, um, to do, um, home automation with sensors and stuff like that. And then you have things, um, that are a little bit more locked down, but still like tie into all those platforms. But, uh, you know, Nest and things like this; these were like those, the first products that kind of came out and were like, "Hey, you know, you can get a thermostat and a camera and some sensors and be able to like automate the temperature in your home and stuff like that." And that doesn't seem to have been as profitable as the big companies want it to be. And so Amazon and Google are both looking to shut down certain features of things, um, and they're they're like. Um, digital assistants and stuff like that. So as someone who probably doesn't use as much of the automation as I do, um, which I, you know, I have certain uses for it. Um, what what do you think about this particular topic overall? Um,
1: yeah, so there's two things here, right? There's what's going on with Dropcam and Nest, and then there's, you know, some other home automation stuff. <laughs> is kind of getting clipped. I in all honesty, I think what's happening with Nest and Dropcam is frankly the worst of the two because I don't know how like in the know you are about that, but I started researching it when you put it on for a topic. And the big driver here is like Google bought Nest and Dropcam to basically compete with ADT because they were already ADT's competition. Right it wasn't profitable enough. So they're shutting those services down and have partnered with ADT. So like all this same stuff you'll be able to do in like the Google sphere. It's just, they bought up competitor companies and then closed those competitor companies. And so now there's less competition in this market. And that just kind of screams to me like, I mean, it's not shady, it's not illegal, but it, it is, I think, morally kind of wrong. You bought companies, they didn't make you enough money, which frankly, they could have been making enough money for those companies. You know, their profit margins could have been fine. I don't know the history, maybe they sought to be acquired, maybe they didn't. But if they were not seeking to be acquired and they were doing okay... And then you come in with a huge offer of like, yeah, but would you sell it for this much? You're like, oh yeah, I mean, I guess we would. That's a lot of money. And then you like discontinue their product. That's, that's pretty scummy in my mind. Yep. Because like we, we work at a company that acquires a lot of companies, mm-hmm. you know, that that's a viable market strategy to how you stay ahead. Is you find companies you think that could benefit from your supply chain and other things like that, and you eat them up. But when we have a product line fail, we sell it. Yep. Right? Yep. Like, you know, when Linksys got bought we, and it didn't work out, we sold Linksys. Linksys is still around, yep. but Google is shutting these services down entirely from what I understand, maybe I'm wrong on that because I've only done like a day's worth of research. But my understanding is that these companies are pretty much.
0: Yeah. They're shutting them down. Gone. Completely. Yeah. They're going yeah. to get rid of both of them. And yeah. So, so like, instead of finding I, another I buyer, I don't know if they're getting, I, I don't know if they're getting rid of all support for them. Cause that, that's not as, um, you know, like sure. And it's not all of nest products. Because Google renamed like their home, their digital assistant. That's why the digital assistant comes into this, their digital yeah, assistant yeah. platform with the uh, you know the smart um, um, speakers and things like that, uh, the little you know Nest home thing, they all kind of got rebranded and put into that platform. So it's only the Nest Secure, which is you know the drop cams the. Um, the window sensors, the, the things like that that you could use to be able to secure your home, they're shutting that down.
1: Uh, yeah, they are. So from what I understand, and again, this is just days worth of research, they are basically offering them a free setup to the new system with ADT or right. a $200 credit. So I don't think they're going to continue to support them, but they're giving you either your money back or some of your money back or a, an upgrade. To the newer product, which is I mean better than nothing. But my problem is still there was competition in this market,
0: and now there is massively less
1: because you've just drove their competition into the ground.
0: Yeah, and the, the companies that that exist that are the competitors to like ADT and stuff like that, they also kind of work with Google. So is Google going to shut them out? Are they gonna Yeah? I mean that's a good question. <laughs>
1: Are they going to basically say, "Hey, we're not going to have integration with this platform anymore"? Yep. And maybe they will, because now they've got an official partnership. Yep. So you know, that's uh, that's shady to me. The home assistant stuff—I'll say—I'm not sure how they monetize that platform, but one of the things I have heard over the last year or two is that it is getting harder and harder to make money off of those assistants. So like, I've is. got an Amazon Alexa thing. And I will not entertain anything it wants to do. I haven't (laughs) since I got it. I will tell it what I want. And if it suggests anything else, I tell it to go home. So it'll stop talking to me. (laughs) I've never bought a product through it. Never will buy a product through it, you know. So I can understand, especially as you're starting to see countries like Europe start to get a little bit more aggressive with their privacy laws about what you can and can't monetize you know, from something like a personal assistant. That I'm not sure if that's being driven by, you know, we're just not making money on this platform anymore or if it's something else. But I'm not surprised to see it getting restricted.
0: I'm pretty sure that it's because they're not making as much money as they'd want off of these platforms. Um, Amazon's already talking about like killing off the, um, you know, the echoes and and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. Uh, because the digital assistant is not making them enough money. It's given them a ton of marketing stuff, but Amazon kind of during the the height of our 2021-2022 pandemic era stuff um, got very bloated and, you know, kind of overspent itself. And now it's shrinking back down. And one of the casualties of that are things like their digital assistant platforms and stuff like that, There's rumors that Google still has like some of the same problems um, with their digital assistant stuff and the new EU laws and some of the other privacy laws that are coming out of other countries. I wish America was a little bit more forward thinking in this um, is, is killing some of these platforms. Now I kind of hate it because I, I do use digital assistants. They are, they do have a good use in some things, but I, I, I'm more like the idea of being able to do things like have whole home streaming without a large amount of money that's being spent or have like a fairly singular um, kind of platform that I can use to do interesting stuff, you know, as far as like turning on lights, changing um, temperatures and things like that. I wish that the privacy was a little bit more guarded, but I also wish that it was able to be offset by something else. Because this is a useful feature and thing that exists, but the privacy concerns and everything are just becoming too big, you know, at this point. Because the amount of stuff that they're, the less profit they make, the more stuff they try to claw out of you to be able to make and sell more more stuff because i mean that's essentially you're the product at that point right
1: oh yeah and that's you know that we've already talked i think some in the past about how toxic kind of like investment culture is where like oh did you have did you not make your profitability goals this quarter well we're gonna drop your stock 20 30 percent yeah you know it's a massive amount of money that walks out the door if you don't make a ton and I think that's, that's our real problem when we start talking about useful product lines that don't generate a lot of money. You know, it's the, if I can't make X millions of dollars on this one product, I can't have it anymore. What if that product actually does a lot of good? You know, it's why I don't think we see like some of these things people thought we would have when technology got to the place it is, you know, like we've got all this great chat AI stuff and we've got all these great like potentials for, Hey, I could be like first response medical care or something like that. I could an emergency walk people through how to do CPR, yada, yada, but you don't really see those nope, because you can't monetize that.
0: Yep, not monetizable. Who,
1: yeah, who's gonna pay the fifteen bucks a month for the one in a hundred thousand chance they'll actually need to use that feature? You know, you don't see it, and it'd be, no. you're right. It becomes a anything that's here that we know people wouldn't pay for, but could potentially be useful. I've got to monetize it via whatever it means. You become the product because I need to know, I need to hear every word you're saying off the mic you know, so I can make some AdSense profile for you.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, you know, it's anonymized, but we all know that with just a little bit of, with being able to take two data sets that exist that you've sold um, and you overlap them, well, suddenly the anonymization is gone because it doesn't take much to de-anonymize these things.
1: Oh, yeah, exactly.
0: So it's really really, uh, like a kind of a two-edged sword of, of privacy violation and uh, poor monetization overall, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we saw it. I mean, everywhere. I mean, every big tech company is laying people off or moving people around because Oh Lord, heaven, heaven help us. We had a negative quarter. We were down. We thought we would make 1% profit or whatever we made. We made 0.5%. Yeah.
0: Well, generally it's like, we thought we'd make a 30% profit and we made 15, you know, or something like that. I mean,
1: even in this economy, a lot of places are projecting losses and they make their loss. And even though that's projected, they still lose money. Like I remember, God, well, it was last year or the year before that like Facebook had to come out and say for the first time ever, it had fewer new users, like its user count went down. Instead of that was like that was like two years ago. Yeah, still the largest platform by far. Lost like twenty percent of their stock value overnight. Yep, like billions of dollars. And why? No human did that. Like no no person who has part of their four hundred one k invested in Facebook woke up that morning and said, "Oh my gosh, they're down one million users." But you know, the the big trading firms with their algorithms saw red number bad and just dumped it all.
0: Yep, no line go up. All bad. All bad. Yep. Get it off. Yeah.
1: So, you know, it's not to be pessimistic, but that's kind of the world we live in in terms of invested money. I mean, as much as I've been paying attention to stock markets the last couple of years, you know, if I if I ever opened a company, I'm not sure I'd ever take it public
0: yeah i wouldn't because they are just
1: so there's so many people you have to please just for your stock to be worth anything
0: yeah absolutely i i mean anything like the these companies that we're talking about amazon google like the companies that are messing around with this stuff they're just they're they're waiting on borrowed time eventually they're gonna they're gonna hit a point like Apple did or something like that where they they start struggling because the promise of what they've given is not the result of what they're giving, you know. So, oh yeah, I it's, mean, it's just gonna end up being tough. Yeah. for them in, in this
1: economy, nobody's immune. I mean, Amazon had their first non profitable quarter, I think, in their existence.
0: This was well, not, no, not not in their existence, but Amazon. And since they became the online shopping platform and shifted away from just being a book publishing platform, Okay. Yeah. 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 And their current iteration. Right. Right. Um, they, they, they had plenty of non-profitable before when they were just, you know, like a kind of a book platform. Um, but it's changed since then. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the end of the world's coming, uh, cats and dogs sleeping together bees laying down with lambs whatever you know it's 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 all all doom and gloom mm. um yeah Man, that's so. a terrifying image bees <laughs> laying down with
1: what was it like sheep rams or something you said all i could imagine was like a wasp nest inside an animal it like built into the wool Where's um, well, your next D and D creature for homebrew?
0: I mean, yeah, I I got uh, I, I got some ideas around that, but bees and wasps are not exactly the same thing. They are the same genus, but bees are much more gentle. You know, like a some honeybee or something like that, right? Um, yeah, the English like, honeybee, pretty nice. African bees, not so much. Not not nice at all, right? Um, yeah, but but yeah, which, so yeah, which
1: funny antidote I found out talking to my dad. Because um, I'm going to like foster a little, little beehive, or however they, they say it. You can basically pay money and they'll put up a, a beehive in your honor somewhere and oh. then give you like half the honey they produce, which could be oh, a fun nice. thing for us to do for brewing sometime. You get that like 10 pounds be. of honey out of it. Yeah. But uh, I brought that up. And my dad told me my grandma used to keep bees and she ran into the same problem. She had English honeybees, which were very tame, barely would ever sting you, but they don't produce a lot of honey. And she wanted more honey because she was selling the honey, so she bought like African honeybees. And they weren't like the killer bees, but you know they were. They produced a lot of honey. They were mean, and the only place she had to put them was kind of out by the country road. And so <laughs> people would just like be walking down the street and just start getting attacked because you had to like take it down.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Well, so yeah, bees, they're, they're especially like bumblebees and stuff like that. Completely different, different animal from like, a, you know, a a, a, a hornet or, a, um, you know, an Africanized bee or something like that. Th- those are much, uh, much, much less kind <laughs> overall. Um, yeah. Anyways, I, I like the idea of doing the, uh, the, like getting like 10 pounds of honey and being able to do something with it. I think that'd be kind of fun. Like, you know, doing like maybe one or two of these, um, you know, be, um, uh, bee things, especially if it's something where you can say, I want the varietal of honey to be like this. I think that'd be a, like a ton of fun to like get and then make some meat out of or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, do you have anything else you want to say about that topic? No, I think I'm good. Okay, then. Uh, So this was Season 6, Episode 3 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast. It's supposed to come out on April 10th, uh, 2023. And otherwise, thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.